hope you guys are ready to jump in. We're going to be working out of an Old Testament book today called Second Kings, Second Kings, uh, chapter four. Second uh, Kings, chapter four. Uh, it'll be on the screen if you did not uh, bring any type of uh, phone or Bible. So listen, let me go ahead and set the stage really, really quick. All right. Like how I work from this stage, it's going to make things a lot better for you if you just respond to me. All right? Like you can respond by this. That's only going to get you so far with me, all right? But hey, if you, if you talk to me, I'll talk back. Y'all good with that? Six of you are good with that. All right, for the rest of you, <laughs> enjoy, I guess. Uh, it's up to you. Uh, uh, well, hey, I just want to start with this. I know some of you are just kind of crawling out to bed from a late last night. Uh, I don't know, for you, on my clock it said like 11.28, and the game was over, and the Hills were victorious. I got some Tar Heel fans in the house. Yeah, maybe next time, Duke fans. Probably not, but anyway, uh, uh, neither here nor there, but we we're celebrating a good victory last night in the name of Jesus, and uh, also a good day. Today's first day of Major League Baseball. I've been a Cubs fan, 38, since I was about five or six, because we had, growing up, we had two, eight, and 12, anybody feeling me, on the rabbit ears, you know what I'm saying, put a little uh, aluminum foil on that unit, and you hold it just tight enough, and you think it's going to bring something else in. But we actually had this other channel called WGN. Anybody have that in the house here in D.C.? Anybody from D.C. in the house? Davidson County? Yeah. All right, good. Yeah, me too. And uh, we uh, better known as Tater Town, but nonetheless, right down the road. And uh, we had WGN. So my buddies, they like the Braves. I was like, I can't like the Braves. They like the Braves, right? So I picked a big Cubs fan. It has been a long 38 years of my life. Until this past season, and we won... The World Series, it starts all over today, and it's a good weekend to be a fan as I am. But anyway, I say enough of that just to jump in here. We're going to jump into Scripture. I'm excited about this message. I hope you are going to be excited about it too, or uh, there towards the end that you will be excited about it. Here, we're going to jump in right here we go. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1, 2 Kings. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant My husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Maybe, just maybe, five of the most powerful words put together, maybe ever. I can tell you in this day and time, those five words put together are not said very often, are they, church? How can I help you? And he continues, tell me, tell me this, ma'am. What do you have in your house? The widow Responded, your servant has nothing there at all. She said, well, well, I have this a little bit of oil. Like, except I have a little oil. I have nothing at my home, she says. Well, well, actually I do have, so I have a little bit of oil. Verse 3, Elisha said, <laughs> go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. 
Don't ask for just a few. That is a kicker to this scripture. Verse four, then go inside and shut the door behind you and, your, and with your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. Verse five says, she left him and afterward shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. Verse six, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there are, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Thank you. You got one amen to that. That's the scripture. I didn't make that up. It is a strange story. It's nestled right in a book that you probably would just read over. Like those seven verses, you're like, oh, that's cute. And you move on, right? Well, I couldn't move on from this a couple of months ago. And I sat and pondered and I said, you know what? There's something deeper here. I want to I I dig a little deeper here. And so as I dug a little deeper and I found out some nuggets, I just want to share with you this morning that what God has taught me about this idea of living generous. So right here, it doesn't tell us who her husband was, but in the Jewish tradition, if you search into the time frame and, and the who this man that was accompanied of these prophets come to find out is thought that her husband's name was Obadiah. If you know anything about the prophets, you'll know that Obadiah was a prophet of prophets. He had around 50 prophets that worked up under him. He was a minister to ministers. That's what he did. So, he dies. She's thought to be in her mid-30s whenever he dies. And it says that, Scripture says that he left a debt. So much so that the debtor's started coming looking to get repaid. Anybody feeling me in the room? Now, this is a little heavy, isn't it? <laughs> is anybody with me? Thank you. Because I don't know for you, for me, this somewhat hits a little bit close to home. Like if, if you've ever had debt at all, any shape, any amount, to anything, there's some weight to this. So this lady, married to what is thought to be Obadiah, left with nothing, and you ask the beg the question, why did he leave her with nothing? When you do research on Obadiah, this man was known to be a very generous man, and he led roughly 50 prophets of the Lord. And at this time, there was a uprising. Folks weren't worshiping God any longer. They were worshiping other false gods. So the prophets of God, if we'll say, were put out of business. They had to lay low. They had to stay clear. 
because they were not a liked individual. But Obadiah thought, they're my responsibility. So what he had, he gave to them. You see that, church? Like what he had, he gave to them. So I think, from a man and a woman and two sons, I think about what these two boys saw. What a mother saw in her husband. One thing just comes to the forefront. They saw a man that worshipped God and was generous with everything he had. I'll just go off the cuff here real quick. Church, if we can leave a legacy like that to our kids, we will win. We will win. I believe that's what the folks that come after us need to see. A lifestyle. Hear me. You're thinking about money right now, aren't you? I'm talking about a lifestyle of generosity. A lifestyle. This is tricky for her. He dies. Well, she's a woman in a culture that is really hard to get a job for a woman. She has bills. See, the law is in this culture is that if you have a debt, your your debtor can come and take, it is law that you can come and take your sons to go into slavery to work off the debt that you owe. So not only is this woman a widow, she's about to be childless. Would you say she's at a crossroads? Would you say this is an, an issue? Or shall we refer to it as a problem? Can I get an amen to the problem? Would you say she's got a problem? Would you say because they put cheese on your salad and it was the wrong cheese on your salad, was that a problem for you this week when you went to the restaurant? Or because you got a flat tire this week and you were late to work, was that an issue for you this week? Or better yet, who has an iPhone in the house? Anybody got, anybody got a phone? Oh, back. Who has a phone in the house? That'd be 100% of you, wouldn't it? You ever put in your, uh, I, get, I get upset about this. And I had to watch my language. Daggum. Have you ever put a coordinates in on your iPhone and it took you somewhere where you weren't supposed to go? That could be an issue. Uh, like, like That could be a real issue <laughs> if you go to the wrong place, wrong time, with the wrong people. Doing the wrong thing, come on. Be with me. Those are issues. But I would say those are baseline issues. Those are just issues that are every day. I would say that would be something that if it you ain't gonna remember it in five to ten years, it's probably really not a problem. We would just call those minor basic issues in life. But I'd say the widow is faced with something. Extremely important. There was a decision that needed to be made. And I love it. I love this. What did she do first? She reached out to who? To Elisha, prophet of the Lord. Tells him her situation. She reached out for help. I don't know if you're anything like me. You're probably not. If you probably spent any time with me, you're like, this dude is one weird dude. 
You might would think that. And you know what? You might would be, that might would be true. I don't know. I am a weird guy. But I'll tell you this. I don't like to ask for help. I never have. Is anybody else in the house like that? Pull your bootstraps up, right? Come on. My mom and dad are in the house, and I warned them I was going to talk about them today. Well, they're here every week, but I think some of that's because the way I was raised. Listen, son, ain't nobody going to give you anything in life. You want something, you go work for it. Can I get a, something on that? Thank you, David. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand, too. Anybody other hands in the house? Hey, if you want something, go work for it. Hey, no, Scotty, you know what I'm talking about, right? Hey, you go work for it. Sometimes it's the sweat of the brow. Ain't nobody going to give you anything in life. Go work for it. That can be a detriment, though, <laughs> I'll just tell you. Because you can get into the meantime, and when you need help, sometimes that can turn into pride. That's the line that you have to figure out for yourself. But I love that about the widow. She asked for help. Like, that's foreign for me. Like, she asked for help. And the greatest of questions that could ever be asked, how can I help you? I remember 12 years ago why those five words mean so much to me. I remember I was transitioning from career into, I know y'all going to laugh, like working at a high school. I was, yes, it was crazy. I was one year and out, and, but I didn't make enough money at the high school that I was working at to pay for a family of four. I had my wife, my daughter, and we had one on the way. And I remember, man, like, anybody with me with this? Like, like what I'm bringing in, <laughs> there's way more going out. Nobody? Somebody? I want to see some hands. Come on, this is going to make me feel good. Like, not really, but, you know, these are by myself. Anyway, uh, but I remember, like, I mean, what, like, for a paycheck, I mean, like, it sounds good on paper. Like, oh, this is going to be the amount of money you got. Like, where does all that money get to? Oh, <laughs> Uncle Sam, how are you feeling? I'm, oh, yeah, and I got it. And, but I realized I couldn't supply for my family. And somebody told me, man, if you go down to Centennial Street and talk to those folks down there, like, they'll give you some help. I mean, well, listen, my DNA, I don't asking. I'll just do it. I'll go get another job, get a third job, come on, fourth job. There's no rest for the weary. You make it happen. But I did. I remember going to Centennial Street. It's called the Social Service Office. And I remember waiting in line. There was 32 people in front of me, and I pulled the little tag, 33. And they were all women. And I was the only man in the room. To do what? To go ask for help. When I sit across the table from the lady 12 years ago, I said, ma'am, I don't make enough money to supply for my family. Can you help me? Listen, our families helped us. But I remember I didn't have insurance. And the lady said, yep, we'll give you insurance for one year. But you qualify actually for food stamps. And I didn't have a clue what food stamps were. I was like, what's that? EBT, a card. I was like, rock on. Sounds good to me. 
We can give you some milk and cheese too for your kiddos. Sign me up. But before all that, she looked at me and she said, so sincere, she said, Mr. Hill, how can I help you? And at that moment, there was an emptying of my pride. That was 12 years ago. Can I share something with you? We just sang that song in the waiting. And this morning, I'm talking about nothing but this, is that there's a time in life where you're not where you once was, but you're not where you need to be. Like you're not where you once was, but you're not where you need to be. You're aware. You're in the waiting. You're in the meantime. You're in process. But we don't like the process. I didn't like the process from having to get another job. But I did it. Because it was a need. I think that's what's happened here. She was left this with her sons. And she couldn't do anything. She had no regard of what she could do next other than go to God. And this is the kicker. In the meantime, not where I once was, but I'm not where I want to be. I'm in between. I'm in the middle. I'm, I'm in the struggle, if you will. Can anybody feel me with that? Like I'm in the struggle of sometimes we call life. I heard a man's first search. He, he said, I've been in the meantime since 1992. I can respect that. I can respect that. Because the meantime is where we learn about ourselves. Come on, church. In the meantime is where we learn about ourselves. Let me tell you what she learned about herself. Here it is. I love this. Here we go. How can I help? What do you have in your house? I love that question. What do you have in your house? You know what she answered? What did she answer, guys? I have what? I have nothing. That was her first answer. I have nothing. And then she said, well, I do have, except this little bit of oil. Can I ask all the men in the house that has a spouse? Have you ever, have you ever heard your spouse go into her closet with 14,000 pieces of clothes and say, I ain't got nothing to wear. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I didn't see a hand. because Now, don't, don't raise your hand. You're getting that elbow in your face. Don't do that. Don't do it. Two hands back in the back. Yeah, what's up? All the time. Like, mm-hmm, I ain't got nothing to wear today. Natalie, you ever said that? Yeah, mm-hmm. Sean, I know that's for a fact. I ain't got nothing to wear. You know what we do a lot of times, church? We focus on what we don't have, and we forget about what we have. But hey, women, I ain't going to leave you astray. How many of those men beside of you, uh-huh, they go into that pantry, mm-hmm, hungry, 3 o'clock in the morning, <sighs> big belly hanging out like that. We ain't got nothing to eat in this house. I ain't got nothing to eat. Look at that over there. There's some crackers. Tomato soup. Anybody on tomato soup and crackers? I love tomato soup. Put a little milk in it, you know what I'm saying? You make it a little creamy, a little pepper. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we got grilled cheese if you're really feeling it. Come on. That was if the social service lady gave me that extra cheese. You know you're going to get your grilled cheese out of it. Yeah, that's all joking. That wasn't a joke, but that was serious. Anyway, anyway, here we go. But you know what I'm saying? You go into the closet, and you're like, I ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing because we focus on what we want and we forget about what we already have. Like what he has 
already given us. That's what she said. Hey, bro, I ain't got nothing. Oh, 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 I got that little bit of oil. Oh, I got that little bit of oil. Uh, here we go. We got to keep, we got to keep moving. Whew. I got this little bit of oil. It said this little, uh, verse three, Elijah said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. And don't ask for just a few. See, you, see what you're getting ready to see here is this. You already heard the scripture, but do you understand what God was getting ready to do here? Like he was setting her up. Like he was setting her up. But I have to think this. This is just my own thought process. So it may be off. It may be on somewhere in the between probably. Is that if she had seen generosity emulated from her husband, I dare say in the meantime where she was at, she wasn't where she once was, but she ain't where she's supposed to be. She's in the meantime. She's in the struggle. Hey, sometimes you just got to trust the struggle, guys. You feeling me? Sometimes you got to trust it. Trust him in the struggle. Because the struggle of life, the easy thing to do is to get out of it. What do we try to do? We try to rush the process, don't we? We go buy a lottery ticket. Man, if I had a lottery ticket, that will solve all my problems. It ain't going to solve any of your problems. You win that thing, you probably be bankrupt in a year. But we might be able to pay the church off and say, no, Pastor Scott. Anyway, we'll take what was meant for harm and make good on it. Anyway, uh, so anyway, he said this. He tells her to go to the neighbors and get empty jars. Go get empty jars. See, she saw generosity. Generosity a lot of times looks like this, doesn't it? You're helping people. You're giving. Generosity looks like giving. But in the meantime, sometimes you got to do things that you're not used to doing. And she had to go do what? She had to go ask. What she had to go ask for? Jars. Did she just have to ask for jars? What are the two stipulations of the jars? They had to be what? Empty. And how many? Bring it. Did y'all see that? See, that's the miracle. That's what Jamie just sang about. Miracles happen. When we fix our eyes. In the struggle. In the waiting. That's where he shows up, man. That's where he shows up. And you got to get excited about, hey, I didn't, man, I'm so sorry. Listen, thank you for the two claps. It's good. And that was awesome. But in the meantime, it's where he wants to teach something to you about who you are, about your character. Adapting and overcoming life situations. Go, go ask for empty jars. Not just a few. Then when you get them, take your boys in the house, and this is what you're going to do. I love this. See, I think this, see, I think this illustration is, oh, man. See, the key is that the jars had to be empty. Do you understand what that means? You know what this jar actually translates? It actually means vessel. Like the vessel had to be empty. Whenever you represent empty, most of the time that means clean. Hey, honey, go get empty jars and get a lot of them. I'm about to blow your mind in the meantime. I'm not where I once was, but I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm here. I'm in process. Stay in the process. Hey, your marriage is hanging on by a thread. Stay in it. Stay in it. Don't give up on it. That job, fight for it. 
that kids estranged from your family, stick it out. It's the empty jar. It's the clean vessel. That's what she had to go do. She had to go and go get a bunch of them. I love this because Scripture makes it very clear. God's an equal opportunist here. He didn't care what it looked like. He didn't care what it smelled like. He didn't care what it was used for the night before. And if it was used the night before, it was probably empty, right? Go get me some empty jars. No matter how big, how small, go get me some empty jars. Let me tell you what that represents here, church. He wants to fill you. See, oil, what she didn't realize she had forgotten because she was needing something else and she forgot to remember what she had. Just a, she just had a little, but what did God do? He took that oil and did what? Multiplied it. Scripture says there, it says, she started to pour. Took the first jar, the son handed, and she just poured it. And it filled it. It said, once it was full, what? They put it to the side, right? And kept pouring. Oh, y'all good now. Oh, that beer bottle? <laughs> you watch. I'm about to fill that thing. I'm about to resurrect that thing for the Lord. The Holy Spirit-filled oil. You know what that oil's going to do? That oil... Probably out of that beer bottle that she got. They probably didn't have beer bottles back in the day. But they didn't have root beer. (laughs) Come on. Uh, Is it that oil represented? Well, you know what that oil represented? Healing. Because that was the number one use for it. It was used for healing. It was used for skin prep. Like they couldn't run down to the Bath Bath and Body Works and get the two, buy two, get three free. You know what I'm saying? With the coupon 20% off. They didn't have that. They used olive oil. They used this oil to put in lamps to burn. And she forgot about what she had. Because what she had was very important, but she had forgotten about it. Little. God multiplied it. And it says she continued to pour. And it continued to flow. (laughs) Come on, church. Until the last one said, Give me another jar. And the son said, what? Got no more jars. In the meantime, sometimes you got to go look for the empty jar. Sometimes you got to do things you're not accustomed to doing. In the meantime, you're not where you once was, but you're not where you want to be. I did not want to go sit and talk to that lady, but I knew my family depended on insurance. That was a humbling part of my life. But, oh, God, I'm glad I'm not there today. Because in the meantime, I learned something about myself. Sometimes you just got to ask for help. Sometimes you got to do that. But you know what that's made me do now at 38, 12 years later, that my mom and dad instilled in me? Like, I don't understand it, church. I don't understand it. Like, some of the most generous people I've ever met in my life are my parents. Like, with their life. I'm not talking about just finances. But like somebody would call at 10 o'clock at night and they need to ride. Come on, boys. We can go pick up your uncle. Get him home safe tonight. I remember that as a kid 30 years ago. Over. I think that's what Elijah was teaching this widow 
about generosity. Said that she poured in the jugs until there were no more jugs. And then it stopped flowing. Now what? What do you want me to do with this? All right, so you told me to do this. Now I got all these jars full. And I love it. She didn't even know what she was doing. Now take them to market. Because what you just did, what God just did, is very valuable. Take it to market. Sell it. Pay your debtors. Keep your kids. And live off the rest. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a great miracle. But I think maybe the most important part is she was in the waiting. She was in the meantime. She was in the struggle. She was neck deep. And have you ever struggled in life? Have you ever struggled in life? Like struggled? Hang in there. Hang in there. What he wants to do in and through you will blow your mind. I want to tell you this. Where we go wrong is this. We start focusing on the things that we don't have. And we forget about what he's given us. He's entrusted us with. Bill Johnson, a pastor out in California, said this statement this week. See, it's salvation. When you accept his son Jesus, he gives you every bit of the love that the Father can give in that moment. You get that? Salvation, we receive his love for eternity. But there's this other thing called favor. Favor of the Lord. You've heard that. Like, why do they have that? Or why do they have that? Like, it's called favor of the Lord. His hand being upon you. He said, the favor, his favor is directly correlated to the very thing that he's given you already and you've learned how to steward. So when you have little, you don't, you're not in want for something more. You, you take the things he's already given you and you steward those. I feel like this, I read a couple of ideas here and I think they're going to go on the board here behind it says, Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Come on, church. She forgot that she had a little oil. She forgot she had a little oil. There was still hope. You still got breath in your lungs? There's still hope. Another thing I jotted down was I've given you everything you need to do everything I want you to do. You hear me, church? He's given you everything that you need to do everything He has set you up to do in this moment. Steward what He's given you. Stop wanting what you cannot have right now. We need to offer to God what we have. We need to trust Him. We need to trust Him that He'll give us what we need. 
That messes with some people right there. And I'm sorry if it messes with you. Start working with what you got. I want to end like this. I dare say, as we are vessels, like we like to fill our own jars up, don't we? A lot of times what we fill them up with is pride and arrogance, unforgiveness. Scripture is very clear, man, that you need to be emptied of yourself in order for him to fill you. Just as he filled with the oil, they had to be empty. That was the requirement. They had to be empty in order for him to fill and see the miracle happen. So in the house today, all across the room, every head up and every eye open, there's some folks today that need to empty themselves to the Lord. You know why? Because he's giving you some things that you need to start stewarding. Is it from 1992 and you're still scratching your head? What about stewarding what you got right now and stop wanting what you cannot have right now?